0: This morning we bring this series that I've called Masked to a close and we've been thinking about the things that we want to mask in our lives, not with a physical mask like we got to wear to Walmart, but maybe with an emotional mask, a mask of words where we pretend that we are not something that we are, we hide something about us that is uncomfortable. And so we've talked about masking our fear or our loneliness. And today we come to the last of these, and it's one that in many ways is hard for us to talk about. And it is one that we would try to mask, and it's this, sometimes we want to mask that I am prejudiced. It's not a very pleasant subject to talk about. Maybe one that we've struggled thinking about over the last few weeks and months as we've seen all of this on the news. It's a, st- it's a struggle for many of us to, to think through, how does this affect me? And our, our first reaction might be, well, I'm not a racist. This is not who I am. I'm not racially prejudiced. So this is not something I have to think about. And my guess is that for most of us, we don't want to think of ourselves as being prejudiced, right? We want to condemn that. And we want somehow to show that that's not who I am. But I also know that even though we might be able to say I'm not a white supremacist, I'm not part of some hate group, that's not me, if we look deep down inside, if we are really candid with ourselves and maybe with other people if we were talking about this, we would have to admit that there's some things in our hearts that are still there, that we struggle with. I think that's true for most of us. And as much as I might like to say I don't deal with that, The truth is, there are times that I do. Let's say I'm walking down the street and there's a group of young men that approach me. The color of their skin will dictate my response, the response in my head. If they're the same color I am, I'm going to have a different response than if their skin color is different from mine. And you know what you call that? Racism. I don't like to admit that. I don't want to tell you that this morning. And the truth is, it's there. And as much as I've worked on that over the years, my guess is I'm going to have work to do the rest of my life because there are assumptions, presuppositions that I make about people based on their skin color that just don't go away even though I know they're wrong. And so I've got to deal with that. Now, it's something I'd rather put a mask on and pretend it's not there. But it is. And I may not use a racial slur if I talk to someone. I may not use a racial slur even talking about someone. I'm not going to do something that is filled with hate, but it is still in my heart. It's still in my mind. And so, when we come to this last one, we've thought about I'm lonely I'm afraid. Maybe some of us have to say to ourselves, you know what? If I'm honest, if I'm really candid, if I admit what my thoughts are like, at least to myself and maybe God, I have to say, I'm prejudiced. It's hard to do, it's hard to admit that to ourselves. But we do. We make assumptions about people. And if they are different from us, oftentimes those assumptions are not positive. We assume negative things because people come from a different race than we do. So what do we do with that? It's nothing new. We know that, right? We know that this goes back probably to the beginning of humanity. We know that if we look back in our own history as a nation, it is rampant. We know if you look back to the founding of our nation, it was a big issue for the founders as they dealt with independence, as they wrote the Constitution. Race kept coming up because of slavery. And we know that they, in many ways, couldn't deal with the issue, so they kicked it down the road to let their grandsons go to war over. And the truth is, if you uproot a people of one culture from one continent, tear that culture up and take them to a different continent and refuse to allow them to really have families, to be able to farm their own land, to deny their language, all those things, you're going to have far-reaching consequences and it reaches even into our day. It's not going away. And as much as we know that was a long time ago, the consequences are still here. And they still affect us. And they affect other Christians. They affect how we respond to people. So. What do we do with this? If we look back in Scripture, I think there are some, some real help for us in understanding a Christian response and how we deal with this in our own hearts. And I want to think about three, three passages that I think can help us with this today. The first one I'm not going to read. It's one that we talked about not that long ago. So I just want to remind you of it. Remember, Jesus was in Samaria... In this little town, right? And he he goes to the well and he meets a woman there. A Samaritan woman. Jews and Samaritans stayed away from one another. Because of their differences in race, their differences in religion, they had nothing to do with one another. What did Jesus do? He spoke to the woman. Well, that seems pretty simple. That seems like, why would anybody get upset about that? Well, lots of people would have gotten upset about that because it's, what, it's not what you did in Jesus' day. But Jesus chose to reach across the boundaries that everyone expected that He would maintain, would even enforce. And He reached across those boundaries and opened up a, a conversation, which was unexpected. Unexpected which maybe in the moment wasn't even wanted. But it showed the kind of person that he was. That story is found in John. But then we could look over to some other passages. We could look at what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. He's dealing with this issue, sort of again, of of people dividing from one another based on their race, Jews and Gentiles. And Paul has these great words. Galatians chapter 3, beginning in verse 26. He says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And he doesn't say you all Jews are children of God through faith, or you all Gentiles are children of God through faith. You are all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. And he reminds them that because of that, they are of one body, the body of Jesus Christ, and it can't be divided. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul reminds the church here, Christians, that they are one that we as followers of Jesus Christ have been bound together as a body. Jesus doesn't have multiple bodies divided over language or race or politics or anything else. Jesus has one body. And in this one body... We don't make distinction based on Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. Does that mean that somehow those things just disappear and we don't ever talk about them? No, I don't think that's what it means. We recognize that there are differences between men and women. And we recognize that there are differences at times between cultures that come together. And when we try to just ignore that, we get in trouble. But when we as Christians say, you know what, we come from different backgrounds. We have different traditions. Maybe across the globe we have different languages and cultures and we have different skin color and all of those things, different history. But we are one. Because we are the body of Jesus Christ. And there's only one body. And so when Jesus died for our sins, and we chose to put our faith in Him for salvation. And we're brought together. We were made one. If we want to be the church, if we want to be the people of God, then we overcome those things that could separate us. Another great passage we find in a picture of the very end. It's in Revelation chapter 7. John has this vision of things that are to come. And he sees what God has in store. And he's painting this picture of what it will look like. And we read this in Revelation chapter 7, beginning in verse 9. John says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When we look at what is yet to come, when we get this image of what it's going to look like when Jesus returns, John says there's going to be people from all over. And they're going to come with different languages and their skin color is going to be different and their hair is going to look different and they're all going to come together and guess what they're going to do? Worship. They're going to worship. And as I think about that picture of Christians gathered from all of history, Christians gathered from all over the world, with all that richness and variety that God has created within us, gathered around one throne, worshiping God. And what a beautiful picture that is. And what it makes me think is, if we're going to spend eternity together, we might as well learn how to get along now, right? We might as well try to figure this out now because we're going to be together for a very long time. But what brings those people together in this picture of the end is the same thing that can bring people together today, and that's worshiping the same God through Jesus Christ. Ultimately, that's our best hope for binding people together because again, we are bound together in the thing that matters the most not our history, not our language, not our race, not our family, not our politics, not any of that stuff, but in Jesus. And that should be supreme. That should be above all else. If it is not supreme, then whatever is in front of Jesus is idolatry, because we're worshiping that before we're worshiping Jesus. And so we have to make that choice. Now, As I think about this, and I I was thinking through those passages and some others, I thought, okay, how do do I put this simply? How do I bring this down to to, to one simple sentence so we'll know how, how to approach this? And I guess it's not one simple sentence, but it's two really simple sentences. And it's the mission of our church. Love God. Love others. It's just that simple. Now... This is a big problem, a complex problem that involves centuries of history and all kinds of struggle in our nation right now, ripping it apart. But this is where it lands, right? If we can learn to love God and love others, then we as Christians will be the ones leading in this arena we'll be doing the work that matters the most. Because if we love God and then choose to love the people around us with that same love and the kind of love that God has shown us, then we can overcome any boundary that might separate us. Just like Jesus did at the well, just like Paul says, just like John sees in our future. It's God that brings us together. So how does this play out? For so many of us, this is an inner game, right? It's how we think that then dictates how we speak and how we act. And so I want to go through th- three things that I think we can do that can help us to overcome what might separate us, to help us to get our thoughts right so our actions will be right. And the first is check your thoughts. Check your thoughts. What, what assumptions are you making? Monitor that. When you see people, what what... What comes to mind immediately? What do you assume about a person just because of the color of their skin or the language that they're speaking? And my guess is most of us recognize that we make some pretty quick assumptions. And those can dramatically affect what we say to and about people, how we think about them, whether we avoid them or interact with them. So the first thing is to look inside, to acknowledge the thoughts that we have. We can pretend they're not there, but that usually doesn't help. But to acknowledge them can take us in the right direction. Second, recognize racism, prejudice, when you see it. In yourself and in others. Now here's the thing, and this is where it gets hard. Almost all of us in this room come from the dominant culture, okay? We all look a lot alike, let's face it, right? And because we are in the dominant culture, it's easy to miss how other people are being affected. And so we have to to be aware and see when people are being taken advantage of or being treated different, where there is unequal treatment because of race. And again, it's easier to just ignore it, isn't it? Just pretend it's not there. I don't want to deal with it. What can I do about it anyway? But if we are people who love Jesus Christ, love God, love others, we have to think, what's best for my neighbor? What's best for my neighbor? And how can I help them? Even if my neighbor is a long way away. And then third, Think about how we show God's love. To personally overcome racism when it pops up in our own hearts. To acknowledge it. To confess it. And to refuse to allow it to continue. To take care of those that maybe no one else is noticing. To make sure that, at least around us, no one is being treated unfairly or unequally. This is where it gets uncomfortable and hard because we don't want to be noticed, we don't want to call attention to ourselves. And yet if we're really going to love others, sometimes that's what it means. Loving God, loving others, and God never said this will be easy. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's not. It was bold for Jesus to speak to the Samaritan woman. It was bold for Paul to say, you know what? Jesus died for Jews and Jesus died for Gentiles. Lots of people didn't want to hear that message. And he took tremendous abuse for preaching that and writing that over and over again. This is uncomfortable stuff, and I know it sometimes God forces us to deal with the uncomfortable things because they matter to him. And to me, that's clear. When God says, for eternity, you're going to be gathered with people who are different from you. And we're going to worship together. And that's where we're going to be. That's the picture that we've got. So let's figure it out here. Love God, love others. Let's pray together. God, if we're honest, we'd just soon not talk about this. It's uncomfortable for us. Our culture is torn apart with it right now. We'd rather ignore it. Well, God, help us, because of our love for you, and our love for the people around us to look in our own hearts and be honest with ourselves to see the racism that's there and God help us when we see it around us to stand with and for those who are being treated poorly because of race or language skin color, whatever it is and we pray it in Jesus' name Amen.